Welcome to Ask the Security Guy. I'm your host, Holly Magnuson, and this is episode number 56, recorded for April 2020. Um, good morning, Sean. Good morning. Um, we're recording this, and there are little different circumstances than normal. I'm sitting at home, and you're actually still sitting in the office. Yeah. Um, oh, but the machine actually works, so. Yeah, well, yeah, I had to get creative. If you saw my setup, you would laugh, but. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Um, it, this month, we are talking about spring cleaning. Yep. So, it, you know, spring is sprung. It has, has indeed. So what better time to look at that, that personal computer sitting in your house and your phone and your tablet and whatever other devices you have connected to your home Wi-Fi and say, you know... I just dusted off half my house. Maybe it's time to work on these. Because let's face it, after you've done your spring cleaning, you really just want to sit down for a while. Yes. Stay for a while. <laughs> um, if you're allergic to dust like me, it's ever more adventurous. Um, so, but there are some basics that, that um, really these are things you should do throughout the year. But if you're if you're of that mindset where you, you have a, a time of year where you like to do certain things, sure, why not? Uh, so we'll talk about some of the, the good practices involved in that. And again, these are are things that shouldn't just be a once a year event. They should be you know throughout the year and something things that you do on a you know a fairly regular basis. Mm -hmm. um, but why don't we just jump right into it? Um, First thing I wanted to talk about is in the one of the things that ransomware has done for us is it has made people very aware of the idea that they need to have backups. Um, Carbonite, uh, I'll throw the, a name out there. Um, they have a excellent solution for home users. Uh, not that expensive, backs up your home computer um, and all your precious stuff and does a fantastic job for a monthly fee. There are others like it. I suggest you do some research, poke around, price them out, see what fits. Um, I use Backblaze now because the one I used to use um, ceased doing personal. Yeah. Um, I can't remember the name of the company now, but uh, Backblaze is another another good one, reasonable. Yeah. So look for backup solutions that encrypt your data in transit and at rest. Um, so that's that's really really important. Another one is make sure that they have versioning. Uh, if ransomware gets into your backups, you want to be able to roll back to another version of something um, and you know, get your stuff back uh, without paying the bad guys. Um, so backups are a good thing to have, and they're not that expensive at the personal level. Most people have some form of high-speed internet these days. Um, and Carbonite and tools like it have figured out ways to not completely consume your bandwidth and keep your device up to date at the same time. So it's just a good practice. Um, we do it on a much larger scale here at work, um, but the tools are a bit different uh, in that regard, but some are actually quite similar. Uh, there's another tool called Backupify, uh, mm -hmm. and they work with Google and Google Drive to uh, back up your files there. Um, so they're a great tool that we use at, at an enterprise level, but they're also a great personal tool uh, to back up your, your online, your cloud storage as well. So next up, time to delete. Yeah, time to clean out those unused programs and 
So if you have a Mac and you go into the applications folder, there's lots and lots of things and they multiply over the years. Take a cold, hard look at them and figure out when the last time was you actually used the thing. If it's been over a year, maybe think about deleting it. Because why? Just why? Um, Windows computers, add remove programs and control panel, same thing. In fact, in add remove programs, you will also see the last time the program was open or run. And that will give you another clue as to do I really need this? Now, you know, some of you may be technology hoarders or other kind of hoarders. I don't know, don't care, none of my business. Your computer will thank you if you clean some stuff out. Um, for the rest of your stuff, make sure it's up to date. A lot of programs have some type of auto update functionality now. Uh, usually in the help about section of their, their program or on the Mac. So if you go to the, the program menu on the far left, usually uh, they have some form of check for updates or something like that. Um, if they do not, you can always contact the, the, the software man, vendor or manufacturer and, and ask them, you know, what's, what do I do to get an update and is there one? Yeah, and their websites generally will tout their latest and greatest. Yeah. And if you, if you paid for the thing, chances are you're entitled to a free version upgrade. It's not always the case, but generally speaking, a lot of, a lot of these organizations are moving towards more of a subscription model than a one-time buy model. Yeah, our next one is one that's near and dear to our hearts, and that's passwords. passwords. Making sure you keep those, you know, up to date or refreshed or not the same one for every account. Right. So, um, interesting developments in passwords. So there is a there's there's some actual movement in becoming a passwordless society. Um, a lot of really talented technology folks have been struggling with this for years, trying to get us away from passwords um, because they recognize that passwords, well, are just awful. And um, I, I've got lots of other thoughts on that, and we're going to stop there. Yeah, um, we want to keep this, you know, can, you know, people can consume it quickly and easily. <laughs> right, right. Um, Microsoft has a new, well, not very new, but it's it's a a combination authentication where you you use your username, which can be whatever you want it to be uh, if you sign into their services. But you can pair it with an app on your smartphone so that instead of remembering a password, it prompts a, it will display a code on the, on the screen and then it will display three codes on your phone. And you have to pick the one on your phone that matches the one on the screen. You do that, poof, you're logged in, no password. Um, if you are still in the unfortunate space of using passwords, like, well, all of us are, um, I strongly, strongly, strongly recommend a password manager. Um, we use LastPass. Uh, we, and APU uses LastPass. Holly and I both use it personally um, as well. Um, in fact, in my house, we're using the, the newer product called LastPass Family, um, which has a unique, secure password sharing bit of functionality for family members. Um, and also allows things like um, delegation of your vault uh, in case something happens to you. Um, 
So in a, you, there's a number of settings for how that can happen. Um, so my wife and I have, have made use of that, um, and uh, it, it's a good thing to do. Um, we also have a, a question here. I'm going to jump out of the sequence a little bit. Uh, we do have a question about defragging SSDs. So generically speaking, defragging an SSD from a speed perspective is not considered necessary. However, um, there are some that will argue that the process of doing writes to an SSD is a destructive process and over time reduces the life of the drive. That's borderline true. Um, it has to be an unusually high, high write scenario. Um, and in some cases, depending on the, on the manufacturer, even the, the reads can be destructive as well. Um, so the, the defragging process isn't bad and it won't harm the drive. Uh, you're not going to get much of a, a performance increase from it uh, on an SSD. But again, you know, if you're into house cleaning and you're, you're especially remember, as I do, you know, defragging your Windows drive because it was a good thing to do. It was the only way to keep the performance up. Yes, absolutely. Um, another is uh, check disk uh, is a good thing to run on a Windows system. Uh, every now and again, uh, check disk slash F and then C colon and then you reboot. Uh, and it does a, yeah, right. You're getting all geeky there, Sean. <laughs> but I, I know, know, I know we, this user yeah. understands his hard. <laughs> I get to geek out for a minute. Um, so uh, that will actually yield you more performance than defragging um, because over time, if there's a, a power outage or a bad reboot or a hard down on your computer, there are files and stuff that are left open and orphaned on the drive. And the check disk functionality cleans that up and restores it to a good working state. Um, so, uh, and as a, a plug for a, a third-party product, um, I use Spinrite, uh, which is made by GRC, uh, Gibson Research. Um, and that works on spinning disks and SSDs equally well. Uh, and it also does a fantastic job of, of uh, really, I think, lengthening the life of the drive. Uh, the, the, the guy who, Steve Gibson, the guy who makes it, doesn't claim that it will lengthen the life of your drive. Um, but I've seen it do some pretty amazing things. And I've actually been able to use Spinrite to pull data off of drives that were failing. Uh, it resurrected those drives long enough for me to get data off and, and intact um, before they actually had a massive hardware failure. Um, so again, a free plug for, for Steve Gibson and, and Spinrite out there. Um, and uh, he also has a, a weekly podcast called Security Now, um, and, uh, and it just yeah, we're a fan. Another comment that's really good, and want to remind people about um, using LastPass. You, know, I do this. I have my personal LastPass linked into my work one, so that I only have to log into one. Works great. Yep. And that's a nice piece of functionality that LastPass added with uh, LastPass Enterprise was the way to be able to, because they recognize that a lot of people have personal and professional vaults. And the, this, the way of being able to just say, I, I just need to do it once. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I'm not trying to maintain you know, 
so many different bolts. So that was a, a really nice move that LastPass did a few years ago. Yeah, also with uh, passwords, uh, do you want to talk a little bit about two-factor authentication? So two-factor authentication is absolutely, and actually we're going to switch that a little bit. Multi-factor authentication is, is really where we're heading towards. Um, so your bank, your credit cards, your uh, your retirement account, your healthcare provider, uh, pretty much any online presence that deals with sensitive data about you um, offers some form of multi-factor authentication. It could be a text message, even though we're trying to move away from text messaging, um, to more of a, a Microsoft authenticator model where they they display a code and you match a code. Uh, but it involves more than the patchwork. So it's another layer of security that really foils. Um, so for instance, if you, for your personal email account, we, we talk about this in our security awareness training all the time. Your personal email account is the most critical online account that you have because it's used for where all your, your password resets go for everything else. So having two-factor enabled on your personal email is really, really, really critical. Um, Another way that that helps, though, is if you lose your credentials or if you're using a password that's easily guessed, either you know, by choice or just overlooked something or you didn't listen to us enough times, I don't, yeah. it could happen. But if you're out there using monkey123 as your password, well, one, shame on you. Uh, two, um, at least put multi-factor authentication in place because when the bad guys come knocking and they will eventually, um they will still not be able to log into your account because they don't have your phone hopefully if they have your phone and you're using monkey one two three you're out of luck i can't help you yeah <laughs> and speaking of our you know multi-factor and our important accounts like our accounts like our financial accounts um anything you want to say there as far as specifically with financial accounts especially in this season uh, where we're working remote and uh, I just saw an article where Amazon's hiring a huge number of additional workers, which tells me that online ordering is off the chain. Mm -hmm. uh, if you've been to the, the grocery store lately or to Costco or Sam's, uh, you'll, you'll see that the hoarders have done a massive job of killing inventory. Um, and a lot of people are resorting to ordering the things online and just waiting uh, because Thanks to how people are responding to the, uh, this virus and the outbreak, there's just not a lot of stock to be had in the stores. Um, so, again, even uh, for instance, Amazon. Amazon offers multi-factor authentication for your account. Mm -hmm. So now, Sean, as we move on, um, financial accounts. What do we need to? What kind of spring cleaning do we need to do with that? So, you know, every year you're entitled to some free credit reports. That's true. Uh, so every, uh, all three credit bureaus are required by law to give you uh, access to one free credit report per year. Um, I strongly recommend you do it in the spring. Uh, it's after your, your, your Black Friday shopping, it's after the holiday shopping, it's after all that shopping is done, uh, which for a lot of people is the, the predominant online spending season. <laughs> Um, it's also a good time to check and see if there's any aftermath of your online spending season other than the balances on your credit cards. Um, so take a look through there, look for any entries that aren't yours, things that you don't recognize. 
Um, it's also a good time to, to look for credit monitoring services that are free. Uh, credit Karma is one. It's an app uh, that uh, it's a free service. Uh, they have a, I believe they have a paid upgrade for certain things. And um, a lot of the credit bureaus and their affiliates now offer identity theft monitoring for uh, either low cost or no cost in some cases. Um, I would sign up for that as well. Keep an eye on things. Yeah. AAA, uh, um, AAA, Sam's Club, Costco also offer like LifeLock yep. at a reduced cost. And AAA actually has a service where you can submit a report to them with the, uh, that you have had your identity compromised, if you have, uh, and they will work with you on a process to recover it and uh, clean up bad entries and, and take care of things. Uh, pretty impressive service um, that they offer there for a very, it's an arduous task if you've had your identity compromised uh, to get that back to what it was. So yeah, on the on the financial side, the other thing we I mean we can't talk about finances without mentioning you must freeze your credit. Yeah. By law, it is free to do so now. Yeah. Uh, there was a time when all the credit bureaus were charging you different rates to freeze and thaw your credit report. That is no longer the case. Um, that you can thaw it, freeze it, freeze it, thaw it uh, at your heart's desire. Um, there, I think there's still a setup fee, uh, like 10 bucks or 15 bucks max. Um, but after that, once you're done, you're done. And yeah. you can thaw it. Uh, the nice thing is, if you, for instance, you know you're going shopping for a car or you're applying for a loan or whatever, you can thaw it for a specified period of time. Say, I'm going to give this person two weeks. I'm going to open up my credit for two weeks. And after that, it's automatically going to go shut back down again. Mm -hmm. Um, that's a nice thing to do because you don't have to remember, oh, I need to, you know, refreeze my credit because it's sitting on the counter thought. Um, so yeah, there, there's a nice way to do that. Um, so yeah, check your credit report, be diligent about it. Make sure, you know, if your identity has been compromised, work with some of the, the reputable outfits on, on getting control back and cleaning it up because it can really rear its head at inopportune times in life. Yeah. Um, browsers. Anything we want to say about browsers? And oh boy, browser plugins. They, they Our do favorite. Stuff. Yeah. Some cool things out there though. Yeah, well, actually a number of browser plugins just got pulled from Apple's, or yeah, from the Google Play Store, all the folks there. Um, also Firefox add-ons got pulled um, they were scraping a lot more data than they said they were and far more data than they needed to do their job. Yeah. In fact, one antivirus company, which shall remain nameless for the purposes of you know, not getting sued, um, was scraping all clicks, all mouse movements, all scrolls, all form fields, every URL that was loaded, everything. Wow. They're sending it off to their servers out of country. Yay. And then they were they had acquired a data mining company. So supposedly what they were doing was anonymizing the data and then selling the trend data out to advertisers. The problem was the way they were doing the anonymization was reversible. 
Nice. So it wasn't that difficult based on what they were, the level of detail they were providing to re reverse engineer their data to get back to a person. Lovely. <laughs> yeah. So if you have that little spiffy plugin on in your toolbar or on the little side on the right hand side of, of your browser that you know does some some spiffy whiz bang thing, or it's just there and you have no idea why it's there, get rid of it. Yeah. Label it. Delete it. Otherwise, know what it does. Research it. Mm -hmm. Um, social media. Yes, our favorite, especially right now. Um, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, pick your poison. Um, especially now that we're moving into this more online format with social distancing and, and all these other things being brought to the forefront and living online more than a lot of us ever have. Um, social media is has always been a gateway for, for identities to be compromised and for people to uh, discover unpleasant things about each other. So it's a good time to Google yourself and to search for yourself in social media platforms because you can't Google yourself in Facebook, so to speak. But inside the platform, you can search for your name and you can see things that you maybe you're tagged in some photos that you really don't want to be tagged in. Or maybe there's some Instagram photos of you that you're kind of wondering why they're there or you're not comfortable with them being out there in the public. Um, maybe there's some Twitter feeds that reference your name. Maybe it's you, maybe it's somebody else that has the same name. I don't know. But Google yourself. Find out what your online footprint looks like and also use the search tools within the platforms. So you, there is no one-stop shop here. You're going to have to do some work. So there's Google, there's Bing, there's uh, DuckDuckGo, are the, the predominant ones right now. There's also Yahoo is still alive, amazingly. Um, we can't figure out why, but it's still there. I say barely, it's, anyway, moving on. We won't, you know. I, I'm, I'm not touching it. They're still there. They're still alive and kicking. But use the different search tools. Look for your full name, your maiden name, if you, if you have a maiden name. Um, if you've ever changed your name for whatever reason, look for the variations of it. Um, and see what comes up. Um, you may be pleasantly surprised that you don't get results that you don't want, or you may be unpleasantly surprised that, and have some digging to do to figure out how that got out there in the first place. Or if you have someone who has the exact same name as you, who has been arrested for cocaine possession, um, grand theft auto, um, let's see. <laughs> yeah. Do you have some personal experience? Yes, yes, I am. <laughs> I'm not as unique as I thought I was. <laughs> because apparently there's another Sean Corman in Ohio who is an art history professor who um, his students actually tweet me every now and again and tell me how boring the class is. <laughs> nice. And you're like, yeah, you're wrong, Sean Corman. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was thinking about that, you know, because I remember my art history class in college and I it's hard for me to not commiserate. <laughs> yeah, well, like I said, I, I, I have a very um, bad past. And, you know, in fact, I, got a, I, I actually have a Google alert set up for my name. Yeah. So I will get an email. And That's the last one I got 
was, you know, her, the other Holly Magnuson being sentenced for six months for possession of cocaine. So. I just never knew that about you. Yeah. You learn something new every way, every day. So. Yeah, a lot of years. Yeah. And for those of you who don't know me, no, there's never been cocaine involved in my life. Uh, moving on to um, our desk and cleaning out our desk. How does that fit into the big picture of? Well, I know no one listening to this show would ever, ever, ever have a password written down on a sticky note on their desk somewhere. Never. Just know this. If I happen to walk around campus and I find something that looks like a password on your desk, it may change or disappear. Can't guarantee, can either confirm or deny it happened or will happen. I'm just saying. And he will look under your keyboard, your mouse pad. So the back side of the tablet that's on your desk. Yeah. Yeah. Don't write those down. That's what a password manager is for. Yes. Remember one password, two at the most, be done. Use a password manager for the rest. But writing things down, pen and paper, leaving on your desk. Even if it's not associated with something else, it's just the password by itself, people will figure it out. Guarantee you. Okay, probably I know I shouldn't, but quick <laughs> story. <laughs> I think I've showed you. I'm going through an old book in my office and I find these post-it notes that have passwords on them. Very good passwords. I have no, they were done by one of my student workers. Oh, I wow. have no idea what account they're even for. <laughs> so you will still find those post-it notes on my desk because I have, again, no idea what account, but they were leaving them for me and they probably told me that they did it, but sure. <laughs> but it's like, gosh, darn it. They picked good passwords, passphrases. They did letters, your know, letter, your know, substitutions. It was the great passwords. <laughs> Except they're on a post-it note. And yes, in a book, in a book that I happened to stumble upon a couple of weeks ago. So, so. one kind of does cancel out the other. Yeah. <laughs> but again, no idea what account they're even for. <laughs> and the student worker that I'm really sure that did this hasn't worked for me for five years. So the, uh, the accounts have been changed multiple times. So anyway, I like I said, I do, I will own it. If you went into my office, you would find those post-it notes on my desk. And you know, you just raised a really, really good point. A lot of times we have created accounts with a website or, or something else mm -hmm. using a, a throwaway password or a password yep. that we use for throwaway stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and then five years later, the account's still floating out there and that site gets compromised. Mm -hmm. So, as part of, you know, we're talking about digital housekeeping here. As part of that, it's a really, really good idea to go back through those websites. If you don't use them anymore, delete your account. Yeah. Or close it or cancel it or whatever they're allowing you to do. But get rid of it. If you don't need it hanging out there, kill it. Be done. But it's interesting you talk about throwaway passwords. I don't have a throwaway password. I have a throwaway email account. Yes. And so if it's a if it's a throwaway where I'm never going to use this account again, I just make up the most ludicrous thing on the planet, you know, because if I ever need it back in the account, I'm just going to do a password reset. Well, I mean, and my wife and I each have have throwaway email accounts that actually has a good password on it. Um, 
Now, funny thing, and it's a quick funny story. We accidentally used that account to order pizza once. <laughs> so the 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 account it was Mister something something something. But the something 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 is actually quite funny when you actually say it out loud. So the AI that this this company used for their purchasing website parsed it apart and made a first Mister first name last name and then our address. <laughs> so the pizza delivery guy showed up at our house saying, Mr. I just started laughing. And he's looking at me because my wife ordered it. And he's looking at me and laughing. And I say, Mr. Who? Then he read it out loud. I was like, yep, yep, yep. That's me. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Um, now, old hard drives. If I have an old hard drive, what should I do with it? Old hard drives. Hmm. Well, it kind of depends on how old they are. If you still have access to a computer that can do a destructive wipe uh, using some free tool, uh, there, there's a number of open source tools out there that do, will do a good job of doing a full wipe on a drive. Um, if you do not have access to that, uh, find a giant magnet um, and demagnetize it and then drill holes in it with a or another thing you can do is if you take the drive um, so that the circuit board side is in your palm and smack it face down on concrete a few times, that also does a number on it. Uh, it will shatter the platters inside sometimes, depending on the, uh, on the nature of the drive. Um, but boring holes through the platters if you have a drill press. Um, hammers have kind of mixed results because you may or may not be able to strike it hard enough to actually do damage to the platters, uh, whereas a drill will go all the way through. Um, the face down smack on concrete works on platters that have, uh, are made of certain types of material that will shatter under that kind of shock. Um, but older drives may or may not have that material. Um, but magnets, drill presses, and that's, that's if you don't have access to a computer that can actually do a destructive wipe. Um, if you do, just you know, yeah. throw them in there and do a, a 35 pass wipe on it and be done. Yeah. Well, last but definitely not least, email. <laughs> How do we spring clean our email? So, um, a lot of us have personal email accounts that go back to the beginning of time, mm -hmm. and one of the questions you have to ask yourself are security practices have changed a lot yeah. over the years. Um, there used to be a time where your username and password and password security wasn't that big of a deal. Um, and where email wasn't used for everything it's used for today. So I bet if you went back 10 years ago and looked at the kinds of emails you were sending, you might be unpleasantly surprised. Yeah. As to what's in there. Um, the same as you would do with a file cabinet or a drawer in your house or something else. Um, if you look back at you know, 10 years worth of stuff and you ask yourself, why am I keeping this? And you can't answer it with a valid reason. Chances are you should get rid of it. Bye-bye. Um, so it's a good time to you know take a look at your, your archives. Um, I encourage you that if, if there's no valid reason for it to exist anymore, get rid of it. 
Mm -hmm. uh, it, it used to be a, a thing that we had to do because of space. Uh, we had to purge our emails and purge our files and, and do all that and be pretty diligent about it um, because space was a constraint. In this day and age where you know your email box can be multiple gig for free, um, a, a lot of times the idea of, of managing space is foreign to most people. Um, however, managing content and those, those historical bits is still valid. Um, so, you know, spot check your email history. Mm -hmm. If you see something in the past that doesn't need to exist or actually brings it back on pleasant memories or has confidential data that shouldn't be there in the first place, get rid of it. Yep. Um, but again, I mean, it's just like any other type of spring cleaning. You go through and you ask yourself, do I need this anymore? Yes or no? If you don't, it's better to have it not exist than to just sit, sit around waiting for somebody else. Yeah, definitely. So lots of work to do in our spring cleaning, um, but it's important work. Um, keeping our information safe is critical in our society. Um, if well, you go ahead. Especially now, as we're, as we're entering into an era where a lot of people who have not spent much time online are now online uh, to a, a larger degree than ever. Mm -hmm. um, it's a really, really important thing to go through and look through your stuff and yeah. make sure that you're up to date, you're managing your passwords in a secure way, you're using the right tools for the job. Um, you know, if you have a shared environment at home, that's your home stuff. Uh, APU, if you're if you're working remotely for APU, they you know, we've provided you resources. They're available to ask for. Um, work with your supervisor um, if you have questions about that. Work with the support desk, um, and we're also here to help with any security related concerns that you may have. Yep. Um, Holly and I will be, especially you know the times being what they are, we'll be you know, working diligently to respond to people as quickly as possible. Um, I've, I've already been receiving uh, questions about uh, things being erroneous, erroneously marked as spam, um, a number of other security related concerns, and we're, we're trying to turn them around as quickly as we, can, as we possibly can. So we're here to help in whatever way we can. And, and as a reminder, if you do get a questionable email and you're not sure if it's spam or not, you can forward it to spam at apu.edu. Our support center will take a look at it. Um, they'll also send it over to us and we can take a look at it as well. So. Yeah, absolutely. Well, with that, Sean, I think uh, that's a wrap. Um, thanks for uh, all the great information. Um, and we will see you guys in May. Sounds good. See you then.